Now, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 is where we're going to be in just a minute, if you haven't found your place yet. But I want you to know as we get into this text tonight that it breaks my heart that we cannot all be together tonight. But I'm trusting that this too shall pass. And while we cannot be together physically, we can still be united in our spirit. Colossians 2.5 says, For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. And like Paul, it would be a joy for me through all of this to behold your order and your steadfastness in Christ, even though our traditional means of gathering have been interrupted for a short period. Our hearts are are wanting to be back together. I know that all of us want to be back together. Our hearts are united. We are one spirit. We've always been a very good spirited church. And I know that we've, we've always had great unity over these last four and a half years that I've been your pastor. I just hope we can get through this as quick as we can. Amen. And I know it's our heart's desires for all of us to be back together, be back in one place, so that we can pray together. We prayed for you tonight, amen. That we can be back together in corporate prayer, that we can sing praises to God, and that we can gather together as a family around God's Word. And that would be what we hope can happen here real soon. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, would you look at verse 17? But we, brethren, being taken... From you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. We may not be able to enjoy the fellowship of our presence right now, but I believe it'll only be for a short time. And in the meantime, we have to endeavor the more abundantly to see each other's face. With great desire. Paul here, he says that they endeavored. He endeavored to be with them. That word endeavor means to use speed. It means that they made effort. They labored and were diligent to be together. They were earnest about it. And they did so the more abundantly. Which meant they were not only earnest about it, They were more abundantly earnest about it. This is where their heart was. And that's all I can ask from all of you throughout all of this. Just as soon as you're healthy to be back in God's house. Endeavor for it. And once you endeavor for it, endeavor the more abundantly. Don't start fearing God's command to assemble together. Amen. For those who are here, you can say amen. It helps me out a great deal. We don't have to fear God's command to assume. God's word never changes. Whether through persecutions, whether through pandemics, we keep pressing on because we are the church of the living God. And I know this church is going to keep doing that. I know preachers who have been alarmed by how few people have returned since this all started five months ago. But I always rejoice when I can tell them, you know, 
our whole church, with the exception of some that are in high-risk categories, we're all here. What a blessing. Honestly, before this week, I felt like we were, we were this close to breaking past our pre-pandemic numbers. I mean, we were seeing some great things start to happen. You may not have realized that so much because we went to two morning services, but when you start looking at the combined total, God was really starting to move. In the last couple of weeks before this past Sunday, man, it just felt like things were starting to get back to where they needed to be. The momentum was starting to grow. A couple of men I talked to, they felt the same thing, and we were just seeing God move and And that's a testament to your love for the Savior, for your high regard of His Word, which is what gives us the biblical mandate to assemble. The First Amendment doesn't give us the biblical mandate to assemble. God's Word does. Now, thank God we have the First Amendment to protect that, so we thought. But it's God's Word, and it's your love for God's Word that'll tell you when it's time to be back and assemble together. And I can never tell you what a joy it is to pastor such a wonderful body of believers. I mean, it's just amazing what, how faithful y'all have been throughout all this. And once this round of illnesses pushes through, our church, I'm sure, will bounce right back, just like we did before when all of this first broke out in March and in April. Now, while we have kept our doors open throughout this entire time, many of you did the prudent thing back in the spring, when the recommendation was everybody kind of isolate because the thought was we didn't want to overrun the hospitals. That's what we were being told. And so a lot of people took that and they tried to do their part in that, and I'm not against any who did that. Nothing wrong with that, in fact. Because at the time, we really didn't know the severity of the illness yet. And many would likely suggest that we close our doors now since COVID-19 has infected families in our church. But I want to give you my main reason tonight on why I'm staying open. And one thing you must understand is that when you're in leadership, you can't please all the people all the time. It's just not going to happen. So I understand some are going to disagree with me no matter what direction I take. Some would agree and wish I did more no matter what direction I take. I'm simply saying, this is primarily a lose-lose situation for me. (laughs) As your pastor, you trust me to follow God's direction in all matters of church affairs. And in all matters in my personal affairs as well. That's what you're trusting is happening in my life. And I'm asking you to trust me on this matter. I'm asking you to trust me. I know we all care about this church body. But I can almost assure you that no one has spent more time in prayer. No one has had this more on their mind than me. That's not a shame statement. I'm just saying this is, my, this is what God has called me to do. This is my post. This is the assignment that God has given me. My name is on the sign. My sermons are on the Facebook page. We're being live streamed. There's podcasts out there. There's our website. And I'm simply saying that I know this is what God has called me to. And if there's anyone that's concerned about what direction we're about to take, it's me. And I know this from being a pastor these four and a half years. You can never, 
escape the enormity of your call. You cannot get away from it. You cannot get it off your mind. You can never push the flock that God has told you to feed away from you to even take a break from that mentally. Even when you're supposedly taking a break from the ministry, you never get away from it. You never get away from it. And I'm asking you to trust me that I have my marching orders from God. And my commander-in-chief has issued the order that we stay open. I'm not even asking you to agree with me. But I am asking you to trust me. God wants these doors open. Now, I believe the right course of action is to stay open and to allow you to be adults and decide when it's safe for you to be here and when it's not. When I start trying to tell you when it's safe for you to be here and when it's not, under a circumstance like this, I'm no different than our government that's overreaching into your life telling you what you need to do. Amen. The last thing we need is big government. You don't need big church in your life telling you how to do, make every little decision in your life. I believe you're responsible enough to make the right decision. For those of us outside of the high-risk categories, I refuse to treat this virus any different from any other airborne illness. Because the fact is, this virus is not as deadly as they first predicted it would be. I'm not saying it's not serious. But we understand now by the numbers that we have, which I don't fully believe anyway because the CDC already said a couple months ago they weren't going to count confirmed ones anyway. They were going to go ahead and count non-confirms as deaths. But that aside, the numbers that we have, this is what we know. The death rate in our state has been 1.4%. That's good. I mean, when you look at all the other numbers. It's 3% for our nation and 3.4% worldwide. If we take the average of all those three, we're looking at about a 2.6% death rate. And listen, these are just the cases we know of. These are just the ones that have tested positive. These are the ones that we know. Now, with any death rate, I don't care how small, with any death rate, it's tragic. Because somebody's husband, somebody's wife, somebody's kid is on the receiving end of that statistic. And I understand that, and I'm not making light of that. Every life is valuable, but with a 2.6% death rate, this means you have a 97.4% chance of surviving. I cannot, in good conscience, close up the church that Jesus bled and died for when it's likely you're going to be just fine. Now, let's drill this down a little bit further. The CDC, when trying to account for those who have been asymptomatic or those who may have been infected and never got tested or whatever, never sought any medical attention, they put what they call the infection fatality rate estimate at just 0.65%, which means you have a 99.35% chance of surviving. Now, let's drill that down just a little bit further for some of us. When you consider the same thing for those under the age of 65, then the infection fatality rate number drops to an estimate of 0.05, which means you have a 99.95% chance of surviving if you become infected. And I cannot close the church with these kind of positive numbers. 
I have always maintained that if we were seeing children drop out, if we were seeing something that was just unexplainable for those who are otherwise healthy, then yes, it would be prudent to shut down. But we aren't seeing this. And we just need to be honest that as schools reopen, more are going to become infected, more young people, and as they do, the death rate is just going to keep going down. Because a lot of those are going to heal. We know that already by what we're seeing. This is largely a terrible virus for our elderly and those who have underlying health conditions. And I have no doubt this is why Arizona and Florida are seeing the death rates that they're seeing. That's where all the elderly go to retire. I'm not being ugly. I'm just saying these are the facts. And we have to be honest with the numbers that we're seeing. And should anyone feel that I'm not being sympathetic or that I'm not being sensible about all this, I want you to consider what I've posted in the past in regard to COVID-19. On March the 3rd, I posted, if you have an underlying health condition or a weakened immune system which makes you more susceptible to the virus, do not feel guilty if you decide to stay home for the time being. On March the 17th, I posted, if you have pre-existing health conditions which make you more susceptible to the virus, then there's no shame in staying home for the time being. And in fact, it is recommended you do so. On March the 24th, I posted, if you have pre-existing health conditions which place you at a higher risk, then you should consider staying home. According to the CDC, you're at a higher risk for severe illness if you are 65 years and older. On March the 27th, I posted, per the CDC, the only people who should consider attending church at this time are those who are below the age of 65. Remember what happened after I posted that. And I had to clarify and say, look, I'm not telling you not to come. Nobody's going to be turned away. I'm just giving you what the CDC was saying at the time. On April the 17th, I posted, I'm asking you to take the CDC recommendation Seriously, on July the 17th, I posted those at higher risk of suffering severe complications if infected. In parentheses, I had our elderly and those with underlying health conditions should continue to pray about their physical attendance and do as the Lord leads. On August the 24th, I posted for any in the high-risk categories as outlined by the CDC. I'm asking you to please take this virus seriously. No one should feel pressured to be in attendance. And I think we're always good if we just let people govern themselves. And I'm just simply highlighting that I have consistently stated that those who are 65 years old and up and those who have underlying health conditions need to seriously consider whether or not they attend. You say, why are you saying all this? Because I'm under fire, if you don't know that. And I'm saying that to say all who have attended our church over the last five months have done so of their own free will, knowing the risk ahead of time. I've always believed, make your own decision. Do what's best for you and your family. And so long as we can operate this way, we're going to continue to do so. And I will not close for a 99.35% survival rate. Now, I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt when they first issued the warnings that they did. When they said, these are the recommended measures we suggest you take. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. But knowing what I know now, knowing what we know now, I'm convinced our nation and this world is way overreacting. Given the numbers I've cited, we must not let this virus control our lives. Okay, so you get infected. Treat your symptoms, quarantine, get healthy and move on. Because that's all you can do for a virus. 
The only time they're going to give you something prescription-wise or medicine is if it goes bacterial. Look, I'm not suggesting you don't wear a mask. I'm not saying don't wash your hands. I'm not saying, you know, just go around anybody who's sick. I'm not saying any of that. We still need to take it serious, but I'm saying it's enough already. It's enough. The fear of this virus is controlling some people's lives. And it's devastated our nation's economy. I know someone will ask, but someone can die. I pray it won't happen. But I've said from the beginning, this is entirely possible. And if so, we won't be the first church in America who had somebody die who contracted COVID-19. But guess what? If there was no virus and you were driving to church and you got killed in a car accident, we're still going to have church. If somebody comes in here and shoots up the place, we're still going to have church. These are all risks even tonight. You can drive out of here and die. Somebody could walk in the door and just light us up. Somebody could walk in the parking lot this winter, slip on an icy patch and bust their head open. We're still going to have church. I'm simply saying there's risk involved in everything we do. And I'm not going to let this virus scare me into closing our church. The last time I addressed the church on this issue like this, I mentioned how there are risks in everything. I've also preached it doesn't matter how much you isolate yourself, how much you protect yourself. If God wants you infected, you're getting infected. I recommend for any who didn't hear it, go back and listen to my April 5th sermon entitled, Who Can Turn Him? God can do what He wants to do, when and how He wants to do it, to whomever He sees fit to do it. And listen, you can be infected anywhere. So I don't want anybody acting like this shouldn't have happened. We all understood this could happen. We all understood the risk. And in some respects, I think we could say it was inevitable. Throughout this pandemic, we've seen people come and visit our church from different countries. We've seen people come from all over the United States here on vacation. We've welcomed them all in. And listen, I mean, we just had 250,000 bikers roll in. Of course the virus is going to spread. And I really don't care if the rally is what caused the uptick or not because I'd rather live in the freest state in the United States. I'm getting off track there, but I'm just saying it's okay if Christians get sick. It's not the end of the world. It happened throughout the Bible. And listen, God doesn't owe us a thing. He doesn't owe you health. I remember it happened in February of 2018. Do you remember that outbreak? For three weeks, there was hardly nobody here. Some kind of flu bug was tearing us up. It happens. But listen, we get back out and we keep going just as soon as we're healthy. So here's, here's something I want, I want you to get. Don't fall for this idea that this is somehow some drastic event because you're now infected with COVID-19. You're going to get sick the rest of your life. Is this hard for some people to hear? Is everybody with me? You're going to get sick the rest of your life. In fact, you're probably going to die from a sickness. You're probably going to get much more sick at some point in your life than you are throughout this outbreak. 
The truth is, some in our church are dealing with far greater issues than COVID-19. Listen, we got people in our church battling cancer. We have wives whose husbands are shut-ins. We have marriages that are on the brink of divorce. We have people that are addicted to substance. This isn't the worst thing we're going to see is a virus. So no one needs to get a martyr's complex throughout any of this and act like you're about to endure the most difficult scenario known to mankind since the Great Flood. For some, it may be the worst thing you've ever been through. But for most, you're going to feel sick for a few days and you're going to be fine. Now, if you haven't tuned me out, (laughs) my only question to God has been, why now? Why now? After five months and people visiting from all over the world to our church and our church members traveling all over and coming back and after all that we've been doing, why now and not then? Well, this brings me to the next verse in our text. Look at verse number 18. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. Paul had said in verse 17 that he was taken from them. And this means it bereaved him to be taken away. And we see that what caused him to be taken away was that Satan hindered them. And I just want to say that We not only have a common salvation, but we have a common enemy. And that's the devil. And I know we would all be together if we could. I know that's our heart's desire. This is an absolutely amazing church. Your love for our Lord is evident. It is evident how you've responded throughout these last five months. But let's not forget we have a common enemy. That word hindered means to cut into. Satan wants to cut in and disrupt. Now I fully believe God has to allow it. And for reasons unbeknownst to me, this is the test which God has set before us in this hour. I've wrestled with God on the why now question. And I've been mad at God over it. Why now? We're about to have family camp. God, why are you doing this? We have one of the the best family camp speakers coming this year, maybe in the nation. God, why would you do it now? Man, I have heavily pushed for people to attend this year. More than any other year. I have, I have advertised this. I have asked you guys to be involved. And, and you guys responded with the highest number of sign-ups that we've seen. And that included many of our young couples that I was really praying would be there. Because I know the sermon series that's going to be preached. And I know it changed my life when I was that age. And I know how valuable this would be to... Every family in our church. And I just keep asking God, why now? Why are you allowing Satan 
to hinder us. And I don't have a great theological answer for you. God doesn't owe me an explanation. All I can do is search His Word. Listen for what He says through His Word. But if you've been in church long enough, then you've seen over the years how Satan works every time there's a major event coming up. Every time something comes up. Just think about all that went down as we were heading into our ladies' retreat back in the spring. Remember that? Remember what we went through that I don't even want to bring up? Satan was attacking. We had a major event. Here comes Satan to attack. Here we are now. We're heading into family camp, one of the capstone events of our church. And Satan's under attack. Satan will always seek to hinder this body of believers so long as we're about the Father's business. Just go ahead and get that marked down. Go ahead and get that settled. That's what Satan's going to do. We need to settle that in our hearts and minds. But I know that we need family camp. You've heard me say many times, and I'll say it the rest of my life, we need strong families to have a strong church, to have a strong community, to have a strong nation. It starts in the home. And we need family camp. And we need those messages that Brother Dave Summerdorf is going to preach. So why the sickness now? Because we're about to be very blessed. Why the sickness now? Because Satan doesn't like it and he wants to hinder us. And I submit to you that this uptick in COVID outbreak cases is not because somebody didn't wear a mask. It isn't because somebody didn't clean a surface good enough. It isn't because we live in South Dakota and nobody's taking protective measures. It's because we're pressing forward for God. And we're doing all that we can do for Him. And Satan doesn't like it. Just think about it. Family camp isn't just for individual families. It's for our church family. Listen, we, it's not just for the Brooks, the Longs, and I don't know who all I'm allowed to say, but it's not just for families individually, but it's also for Liberty Baptist Tabernacle as a church family. It draws us together when we can get together in fellowship. And I know that Satan loves the fact that we are being interrupted in our fellowship. What's the one thing that we've heard every single preacher just about come in here and say? Man, there is such a sweet spirit here. You guys actually like each other. You stick around afterwards and you talk. Satan doesn't like that. Now, we have no choice but to take this round of sickness on the chin. But church, how are we going to respond? How important is this church family, really? And through this, God may be showing us some areas where our heart isn't where it needs to be. The devil's hoping he's about to get another victory. But I want to show that low-down, dirty dog that it isn't going to work in this church. That we will get through this. That we will be better on the other end of that. That we're not only going to endeavor to be together, but we're going to endeavor the more abundantly to be together. 
while I know Satan, I know what he's up to. And while I don't know for sure what all God is up to, I know we have to keep the doors open and just keep at it and never give up. And I want to give you another reason why I'm keeping the doors open. The North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California on Friday had a cease and desist order taped to their door saying they could not have church because they would be in violation of the local health codes and that they would be fined if they had services and if they were singing. And they were told, well, you can have 60 people outside in the parking lot, but you can't sing. This is a church that seats 3,000. And listen, in a time like this, I know we live in South Dakota. Thank God Almighty we do. Thank God for our governor. But listen, while we're living in a day when other churches are being told they can't have service, I'm not going to shut down. You say, well, that's not really helping them. I, I don't know if it is or not, but I know for me it says, look, we're standing. We're trying to stand for what's right. I don't want anybody to get sick. I don't want anybody to die. Well, they held their services on Sunday, being good Baptist. And I think one other church in that town, I can't remember their stripe, but I know the North Valley Baptist Church was signed five, fined $5,000 per service for a total of $10,000 Sunday for meeting together. In America where we have a First Amendment that says that they will make no establishment. How's it go, brother? My mind just went blank. They will make no... Listen, you can't tell churches what to do. And listen, if, if we as independent Baptists do not stand like our forefathers did, and if we do not decide to stand and say, I will not close the doors of our church because I have a biblical mandate to meet with God's people, then they'll shut us down. They're trying to do it. California's lost their mind. Boy, I've tried to be quiet on some of this throughout all of it. But I am not going to stand by and not let people know, look, I don't care what you're going to do over there. But as for me and our church... We're going to stand for God. I don't have all the answers for this hour. I know Paul said this in Romans. He said twice in that book. He said, look, I wanted to come to you, but I was hindered. And he said this. It was because the gospel had to be furthered among these other Gentiles over here. And I don't know what God's doing. I don't understand the timing. I don't like it. I don't agree with it. But I know God's in control and I have to submit to His will. And I have to trust that when all is said and done, it'll be for the furtherance of the gospel. We must trust God. We must trust God. We must trust God. My heart is so heavy tonight. And I'm going to shut up. But I want to keep preaching. But when the Lord returns, will He find faith upon the earth? Jesus said, I want you to occupy till I come. You know what that means? It doesn't mean just sit idle. It's, it's occupation. I want this to be your occupation. 
until I return. And if we're not in the last of the last of the last days, I don't know where we're at. I don't know when he's coming back. It may not even be in my lifetime. But may Liberty Baptist Tabernacle be a place where Christ finds faith on the earth. Nothing I said tonight was meant to scold anybody. This church is amazing. This church is amazing. And I, I say that very cautiously because he that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. But we've been so blessed throughout all this. And I know that God is still good. Look, God is in complete control. Amen? All right, let's pray.